Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Welcome to the offseason, officially day one for all 32 teams. Of course, we know the Cardinals have been busy preparing for the draft and free agency since January and maybe even before then. We'll discuss the team's 32 free agents, who's likely to come back, who isn't. But first, Super Bowl 55 and the night before the season's final game, NFL Honors, the league's annual awards show, did include some Cardinals mentions. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 392, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So what'd you think, MJ? Super Bowl 55. But before we get your thoughts, I do want to mention this. Game number 269. And a tip of the cap to the NFL, the league, the owners, players, all the officials. And we talked about this at the end of the Cardinals season on what the Cardinals were able to go through thanks to head athletic trainer, Tom Reed, but I think the entire National Football League deserves a round of applause, a tip the cap, whatever, to get through this 2020 season, regular season, postseason, in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah, there was some speed bumps, if you will. There was a game every single day of the week at some point this season, but no games were canceled. The playoffs were done, completed without any issues, and the 2020 season will certainly be something that none of us will ever forget. Well said, and starts with the top, and Roger Goodell, I, I know he gets criticized for a lot of different things, but they were, they were um, you know, they were concerned like anyone else. Uh, we told you there was a 12-game schedule, a 14-game schedule, a 16-game schedule. There was an op- possibly an 18th week in the season that could have played makeup games, and give the organizations, including Tom Reed, uh, that were, I mean, they have a lot on their plate to begin with, let alone employees like us to make sure we, we're getting tested on the lower end. Players are getting tested daily. And the fact is they played every single day of the week, including Christmas. Uh, there was a Christmas game that was scheduled. It happened to be on a Friday. They played on a Wednesday. They played on a Tuesday. They played on a Saturday, which they normally do once college football is done and you're not affecting the bowl game. So um, they had their press conference and they learned a lot. And, and they're going to try to release uh, some of the information from the, the contract tracing, how this really can be avoided in the future. And uh, we know that State Farm Stadium is one of the seven uh, NFL franchises that, that's been open for vaccines. Uh, Roger Goodell sent a letter to President Joe Biden, where he wants to do it for all 32, well, 30 franchises, because we do have a couple of teams that share stadiums. So for 30 franchises and the NFL um, they learned a lot from this, and I do think they're going to apply some of this when it comes to the virtual offseason. Uh, but they feel like they made a lot of progress from just understanding how the virus spreads, and they're going to try to release it to the public um, to where this could be prevented in, in the future. And we know each sport is different, but the number one thing was player safety. And, yes, they lost a lot of money. Um, they had 1.2 million fans over the course of the year. Obviously, you, you get close to 18 million, um, you know, based on week on week out. So it was all on safety. And 
to sit here today and say they accomplished it, it's remarkable because I didn't think we would get a full season. I thought there would be a, a stoppage for a week or two to kind of, you know, but I, I give them a ton of credit and uh, uh, they were able to get through the Super Bowl. And they were kind of nervous on Thursday when they were addressing me. They're like, because that's when Goodell addresses the media and their health. Um, Dr. Stills was there, you know, Jeffrey Miller, and they talk, and that's normally when they do it. And they're like, we still got two more days, yeah. but they pulled it off. So props to them because, honestly, I didn't know what to anticipate just on all the protocols we had in training camp, um, let alone getting tested once a week. A lot was learned during the course of the 2020 regular season and postseason. And the one thing that has not changed – is Tom Brady is not quite ready to pass the torch. Let's get into it. Super Bowl 55, Buccaneers beat the Chiefs 31-9. to Seventh Super Bowl title, more than any franchise in NFL history. Let that sink in, Bird Gang. Voted the Super Bowl MVP for the fifth time. Brady, 21 of 29 passes completed for 201 yards and three touchdowns. More importantly, no interceptions. But I do like the talk and the big picture is Tom Brady and what the remarkable achievement individually. But I think if you really boil it down and I'm hearing a lot more people not only talk about it, but write about it. And that is something that we touched on not only here on Cardinals cover two, but during the week with Bertram Berry on the Cardinals red sea report. And that is the trenches offensive line, defensive line and credit defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles for coming up with a game plan to limit perhaps the most prolific offense that we have seen since maybe Kurt Warner and the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, I, I can't, I got, I got to go back and listen to some of our podcasts. I don't think I had them winning in green Bay. I don't, probably didn't have them winning against the saints. Um, you know, you look at the Washington football game. I mean, that was a tighter game uh, than it was yesterday. Um, I, I, I'm just dumb, Craig, flat out dumb. You don't bet against Tom Brady. And I look for reasons why. And, you know, the fact that Chiefs, the, we know they haven't been as high potent offense, but they have playmakers and they have enough to do defensively. They didn't even score a touchdown. Uh, they couldn't score goals. a touchdown. And, and I was thinking, you know, if they can win this one, now it's back to back. We haven't had that since 03, 04 Patriots. Um, you're going to lose some players when you start winning. Uh, but we know Mahomes' contract starts to kick in. How many players are they going to lose? Uh, look, you know, they've done a good job with their core. Uh, Todd Bowles, I mean, I, it, if if the NFL changed their rules and you couldn't hire coaches until after the Super Bowl, he would have interviews lined up today along with Byron Lefwich. And, you know, the Lions canceled his interview. Maybe they obviously had their mindset with Dan Campbell. Philly interviewed them virtual. They do interviews out of Florida where they they spend their off season. They do like seven, eight hour virtual. And listening to Todd, he said, you know, I, I need to be in front of someone. So I think next year when you look at Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, Brian Dable, I think the coaching uh, cycle will be better than it was this year. Um, and the NFL was asked about that at the uh, owners. Um, well, when Gazelle spoke, and the, and the problem is, is that you get you got seven openings and then all of a sudden, you know, guys are trying to put their staff together. And, you know, I think the last coach that waited to, to make the announcement would have been the Falcons when Dan Quinn was with the Seattle Seahawks and they won the Super Bowl. I think that was the last time. 
and may and there could have been another time with uh, um, Chuck Pagano, but it doesn't happen because all of a sudden you put your list together, guys start getting nervous, and usually head coaches get three or four year deals, so they got to move their family. I don't know what the ideal thing is, but I'm telling you today, if they open up interviews, Todd Bowles and Byron Left, which will be at the top of the list, along with Brian Dable, he wasn't in the cycle this year. Um, so I think it's for the future, but it's interesting how some owners are willing to wait and some are. And Eric Bieniemy as well. Yes, Eric Bieniemy. Yes. Despite what happened on Sunday, and look, every you have bad games, and I think this was just a bad game from the Chiefs' perspective, offensively, defensively. He has special teams. They're not going to go anywhere. But to hear these stats, first time since at least high school that Patrick Mahomes' team failed to score a touchdown in a game he started. First loss as a starter with a Chiefs team by more than eight points. Post game, Mahomes, quote, they beat us pretty good. The worst I think I've been beaten in a long time, end quote. And it was some exotic plan. There weren't guys coming after Mahomes from the left or the right. I mean, it was four and five defenders. More times than not, it was four guys. You always say rush with four, affect the quarterback with four. That means you're dropping seven back. And the Bucs had two guys to take away Tyreek Hill. And then Travis Kelsey was ineffective until late in the season. But by that time, the game was already decided. So props to not only Coach Bowles, but that entire Buccaneers defense from the defensive line, the linebackers, and a secondary that when you look at their ages, 24, 23, 22, 23, we're talking about Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, Antoine Winfield Jr., and Jordan Whitehead, all under the age of 25 years old. Yeah, and, you know, listening to Todd at the Super Bowl last week in a couple of different interviews, he talked about how that secondary was humbled. Uh, they were in the game after um, they lost to the Chiefs. They had given up, what, 21 points in the first half, and then they came back. But he said those guys were humbled, like, oh, we just don't have to step on the field. So they grew up, and he said he gives a lot of ton of credit to the veterans, guys like Levante David. And, you know, you look at JPP and then – Sue, I don't know how much talking he does, but he leads by example. And then you got a young guy in, in Devin White. So they, he said they grew up. Uh, one of the biggest things was yards after catch. Um, the, the yards after catch um, wasn't very good. They did a great job tackling once they plastered those guys. And it looks like they put a little bit more zone than man. Um, but they plastered. Anytime Tyreek got the ball, Travis Kelsey was open one time. Um, but again, you start looking at their numbers, average per catch, it was down. So they did a really good job tackling and, you know, they, they, they made Mahomes look um, pedestrian. And I'm sure he was humbled last night. And that whole team was humbled last night because you just can't step on the field. But B-Train's right. And I'm looking forward to our show tomorrow on Tuesday. He's going to see defense wins championships. You know, give Tom Brady credit, though. He made the plays. Um, you know, you look at that roster and, just go back to the offseason. They, 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 they signed Brady, and then, you know, he, I don't know if it was a package. And then they bring in Gronk, and then eventually they bring in Antonio Brown. And they brought in Leonard Fournette early on, but there was a four-week span where he wasn't getting on the field. Um, they were going back and forth with Ronald Jones, Vita Villa. He comes back at the right time. He's a load in the middle. So the guys that they brought in this offseason uh, were veteran guys, and they and, and they and they brought some depth to the roster, and they're going to lose some players. But I, I think this Bucks team will be better next year. Brady said he's coming back. Arians is coming back. I don't know if Todd Bowles is a coach in waiting. 
I don't think he wants to wait another year personally. Um, Byron left, which to me doesn't get enough credit. Um, great play calls. I mean, he doesn't get a credit. I mentioned it last week on that Scotty Miller, everything. Oh, Arians is gutsy. Okay, that's great. But Todd Bowles and Tom Brady were the ones that executed it. So I think they'll be better next year. Um, but the, the veteran present they added. Now, Antonio Brown, obviously, but if he's, if he's dialed in, he's one of the better slot receivers. We know Gronk, first time in a long time, played all 16 games. He, he's, he's great in the locker room. And then you look at some of the other guys, Leonard Fournette, all of a sudden he grew up, um, you know, so you got to like what Jason Light's done with that roster. But I do think they could even be better. They're going to lose some players, but they could be better. But, you know, I was shocked um, that Andy Reid couldn't – I was. it was seemed like everything they were doing, they were struggling. And then you get down to the red zone with three field goals, and that's not the Chiefs. Um, but it, it, just, it just seemed like it was a struggle all day. And then, you know, uh, Todd pointed out, kind of like Kyler, he likes to drift in the pocket. And he did that a few times, and he couldn't get out, and he couldn't ex- extend plays on his with his legs. We see that with Kyler, where sometimes you just drift, 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 and he's and he's, he's, he's doing a 180, and he doesn't know who's chasing him. So normally Patrick Mahomes is dictating tempo. Yesterday he was playing on his heels by – they, did you see that stat that he ran around for 497 yards? Yeah, almost 500 yards he Running ran around. trying to throw a pass. And the, you mentioned the drifting, a lot of backpedaling, which is a lot of a la Kurt Warren, excuse me, a la Kyler Murray when he was first entered and even a little bit this past season. But you want to go up in the pocket, but there was no place for Mahomes to go up because there was no pocket set by that offensive line. Yeah, and so, um, again – I should have never bet against Brady, but I, I like what the Chiefs did. I wasn't fixated on they weren't blowing teams out. Um, now, what I should have learned is when we talk about trenches, they don't have their starting two tackles. What was I thinking? I feel like I'm watching the Dr. Phil show right now. What were you thinking? No Eric Fisher, no Mitchell Schwartz, and yes, it did play a factor. Also, what played a factor is that first meeting in Week 12, the last time this Tampa Bay team lost. And another factor was all of this talk leading into this game about how effective and dominant this Chiefs offense was to where this Buccaneers defense, those players, those coaches used it as motivation. They got tired of hearing it. So, Lesson learned here from a media's perspective and even a fan's perspective, when you do play a team earlier in the season, one, it matters. Two, when there's a lot of talk, chatter, the narrative about a certain storyline, that matters if you're on the opposite end of that, not getting the credit or the attention that you think your unit deserves. And I think a lot of that played a part in what we saw on Sunday in Tampa Bay. I uh, actually tuned into the, to, to the post game shows last night and, you know, bouncing around. And I got a, I got a question in with Davis and I, I did ask, was the point of emphasis on yards after catch? He said, we focused on that all week. They catch it. We're tackling because in that first game, that first quarter. And again, according to Todd, those guys got humbled after the game. They just thought they had a step on the field. They got the pass rush from their front seven and got Tom Brady. We're going to win every game. That wasn't the case. And he said we fo- that was a point of emphasis all week. They catch the ball, tackle. And I want and, and it wasn't just one guy. I want multiple guys around there. And that was to me the biggest difference. They didn't get any yards after catch. And that's Tyreek Hill. And that's T- Travis Kelsey. And that's uh, 
Hardman and Sammy Watkins. That's who because we because of Mahomes and the sidearm throws, he could buy time out of pocket. He gets on the run, receivers start coming back to the ball. He's going to make all the throws. So they 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 shut that down, and that was an issue when they lost in in week twelve. Very happy for all of the former Cardinals from Burusarians to Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, Harold Goodwin, down to Kevin Minter, Dayon Buchanan, A.Q. Shipley, Ted Larson, Drew Stanton, uh, and a great nod to have Stanton on the active roster. He was inactive on game day, but to at least to be on the sideline as opposed to up in a suite. So, yes, a lot of Cardinals connections, and that's why I think, from my perspective, uh, very happy here on this day after Super Bowl 55. Yeah, I'm happy for Goody. You know, he was out of football for a year. He went down to U of A just to get benefits, and they, they end up hiring the offensive line coach when U of A. And give them credit. I mean, they 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 took a lineman in the first round, Tristan Wirfs. I mean, he's a player. I don't. I, I didn't see too many guys in the backfield. Uh, I know we got a chance to see Andrew Thomas this year. Um, you look in Cleveland, Jarrett Will, uh, Jarrett Wills. He's he's playing well. So that was an option. The Cardinals obviously uh, were going to entertain, but you know they they felt good about Isaiah Simmons and bringing back Murray and and Marcus Gilbert until he opted out and they had you know, uh, late addition in Calvin Beecham, but the game is won in the trenches. So B trains, right. And that was, that, that was obvious. Yesterday. It wasn't just um, the D line winning against the, the chiefs line. It was the, it was the Buccaneers offensive line winning against the chiefs defense. We didn't hear a lot about Frank Clark and, you know, uh, Tyron Matthew obviously was, you know, he was getting targeted. Um, so it was a little, but it, it, the game was one of the trenches. And I just felt the Chiefs, they, you know, it was one of those games where you're watching and you're like, this is a struggle every time they get the ball. And I listened to Wolf on Monday and I thought he brought up a really good point. They just need it like a, you know, because if they could have got to 16 points, 31 16, all of a sudden, you know, no, no lead is too safe. But I tweeted out, not against the Bucs. It's not going to happen this time. And, I just felt like if they can go on a nice 10, 12 play drive and then chew some clock up, punch it in, get some confidence, but they couldn't even do that. And that was shocking to me. Yeah. You're waiting for the chiefs to kind of put it into second gear, third gear, and it just never happened. And even in the second half, third quarter, you were still kind of waiting because no lead has been safe when you're playing the chiefs, especially in the postseason, but they've been walking that edge as far as coming back from these deficits. And unfortunately, we're not able to overcome this one on Sunday. Yeah, you look at Brady in the third quarter, he was four or six, 55 yards. They ran the ball seven times for 45 yards. Brady in the fourth quarter, he was one for three for six yards. One for three. Now they ran the ball 12 times, i.e. with the Pittsburgh Steelers, they haven't talked about that. They ran the ball 12 times in the fourth quarter for 40 yards. And they were only getting three yards of pop, three, three, but they had the lead and time of possession was even in the fourth quarter, but Brady was one for three with six yards, but they ran the ball 12 times. And now for that entire organization, Bruce Arian says he'll be back. We know Tom Brady is going to be back and the march for a back to back and for number eight for Tom Brady begins. Um, So that is going to be something to pay attention to as we will, here as well on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Before we move on to talk free agency, do need to extend our congratulations because 
the night before the Super Bowl, NFL honors the annual awards show. The Cardinals did get a couple of mentions, in particular the 2020 Bridgestone Clutch Performance Play of the Year, as voted by you, Bergang. We talked about it last week here on the show. The Hale Murray, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, they accepted the award. Kyler gave a shout-out to the Red Sea. DeAndre thanked the city of Phoenix and the entire state of Arizona for making him feel welcome in his first season with the team. Certainly, I don't wasn't a surprise. I don't know what other play was better or more clutch. Excuse us using that word, Kyle Odegaard. But, uh, yes, it was a clutch play. But more than anything, MJ, the more and more I watch that play, I go back to what DJ Humphreys had to say the day after, saying it was not luck. It wasn't one of those Hail Murray, Hail Marys, excuse me, that was lucky because it did look like a typical Kyler to DeAndre throw with Hopkins making the catch in traffic. Now there were three players around him and he had to high point the ball, but it just kind of looked like a regular play, just certainly magnified significantly given the time and the circumstance. Yeah. Um, you, you never know when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, they obviously have fan voting and I want to say Miami, uh, they had a play this year that was up there in, in the uh, voting. So I, I was, but I, when we got a chance to do our season and review uh, with Kyle Odegaard, uh, I put it on there. I said, this should be the play of the year. And if you, my number two was Buda Baker and DK Metcalf. That could have been the play, but obviously um, I think when we talk about this and some of the, some of the uh, national media will show the bill scoring. Yes. We just, we just see when the card looks at the ball and it would just from that point on, how far do they have to get down? You know, obviously, you know, Murray has to be aware of down and distance, the time on the clock, et cetera. So I'm glad because what the Bills did there put the Cardinals in, in situation where they had to win that football game. And that was part of the, uh, the storyline. And everything Kyler had to do to get into position to make that throw, getting out of trouble, even getting hit and then getting that pressure and then launching that ball from midfield. So Hopkins could have a chance to make the catch. Also, congratulations to former Cardinal Alan Fanica. Closed out what we can now be called a Hall of Fame career with the Cardinals in 2010. Known more for his 10 seasons with the Steelers, Fanica, one of eight new inductees, the class of 2021 headline by Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson. And for those that might have missed it, I certainly encourage you to go back, go to NFL.com, the knock on the door from Pro Football Hall of Fame president and CEO David Baker. Fanica looks nothing like he did as a player. He has lost so much weight, but we knew that because he told us when he was retiring that you won't see me like this ever again as far as his size, but uh, congratulations to him. Yes, it's a Cardinal going into the Hall of Fame, but more for his Steelers play than that one season in 2010. Yeah, he's 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 one of those throwback players. He played hurt. Uh, he's a tough guy. Uh, played the echo of the whistle. Uh, never backed down against any opponent. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, what a career. And it was just a matter of time. I think it's hard for us to judge when it comes to linemen, um, you know, their stats or how many sacks he gave up, how many pancakes and all that. So, uh, but, you know, obviously Ed Bouchette, um, who's covered the Steelers for over 40 years, uh, he got a chance to watch him up close and personal uh, also with the Jets. But, yeah, I mean, he – I don't know if he started doing like triathlons or, you know, like – but he is like 
half of himself. Yes, half the size. Yeah, half the size. And, you know, he's got a big dome. Um, so when they show him in, in uniform, it's like, uh, you played football? Um, but I got to think that Steelers and the Cowboys game possibly. Um, I don't know if they'll, they'll try to get the Colts there for that Hall of Fame game if they happen to play it. Um, but it's it's a big deal anytime a, a Pittsburgh Steeler gets in the Hall of Fame. And, and I was wrong on Calvin Johnson. Um, you look at his numbers. I you know I I looked at Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne, and I just thought these guys have been waiting longer. Um, they both have Super Bowls. Calvin Johnson played nine years, but I was wrong. I, I thought one of those guys would get in. I thought Fanica would get in. And, you know, it was a matter of time for John Lynch. We need more safeties to get in there so we can start talking about Adrian Wilson. I don't know if he'll be a Hall of Famer, but he does have Hall of Famer numbers, 25-25 club. Um, and, and obviously, when you're John Lynch, you get into the media, and now he's a general manager, so you keep your name in the mix. But I thought he was worthy. Obviously, that Bucks defense and him getting a chance to play for the Broncos, and I'm a big fan of John. John Lynch as a person. So I wasn't shocked there. And it was good for Tom Flores to get in finally. Bill Dunn, um, who's been waiting. And, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, you look at next year's class, I think Anquan Bolden's on there. I think he'll have a hard time getting in the first time. But I do think some receivers, because Art Monk had to wait a long time. Chris Carter had to wait a long time. I want to say Marvin Harrison may have had to wait. Um, but when you, I look at Torrey Holt, and Reggie Wayne, I think it's just a matter of time. One more Hall of Fame notes. Congratulations. This one to longtime Cardinals fan and former Cardinals cheerleader, Christy Brown. She got that knock on the door from David Baker, selected as one of three winners of the Ford Hall of Fans contest. Kyle Lodegaard has a great story up on azcardinals.com right now on that. So it's certainly a big honor for her. And I know she enjoyed the entire weekend in Tampa Bay. Certainly would have loved to have seen her Cardinals in that game, but still at Tampa Bay to uh, watch as we talked about the uh, Buccaneers beating the Chiefs. Well, and she's got a, a great story. I mean, obviously she's a nurse and, um, you know, um, she's been able to, um, you know, uh, being a huge Cardinal fan, but you, you just, she's what I, I look at as a Cardinal fan. She's very active. She's former cheerleaders I mentioned, and then she's a nurse and then with her son. I mean, it's it just the fact that she has all that time to spend and you've got to see some of her house where she's just a, a fan to the, uh, but it's a good story. And, and it's, it's nice to see get people get recognized this year. They put all three in um, and, you know, she, she she's very um, engaging. Uh, I follow her on Facebook, um, great personality, and she couldn't be happier. And it was great to see her get some, uh, some, national attention uh, just based on her background and her story and her son. Again, you can go to azcardinals.com to read that story from Kyle. And of course, if you haven't already, just update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. And that way you can get everything right in the palm of your hand. The update features an all new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. All right. We continue here the day after the Super Bowl here, this Cardinals Cover two show presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's touch on it. Free agency, because this is the first official day, if you will, for all 32 teams to hit the offseason. Cardinals have 32 free agents, 28 of whom are unrestricted. Real quick, though, MJ, the four players who are not 
unrestricted free agents. Dennis Gardeck, Trent Shurfield, Ezekiel Turner are all restricted. Kylie Fitz is an exclusive rights free agent. Any reason we wouldn't expect to see all four of those players back in 2021? No, I mean, they own their rights. And, and again, you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's more accounting purposes, but I anticipate um, just for depth and maybe one of these guys can turn out and get more playing time. I'm sure Kylie Fitz are like that. Uh, obviously, Dennis Gardeck and stuff like that. So we'll just have to wait and see, but I anticipate all four coming back. Yeah, Dennis, Trent, Ezekiel, all huge on special teams. So certainly would love to see all four of those players back. And I think we will as well. Now you can't have everyone return. That's just not the nature of the National Football League, but 28 players unrestricted. Cardinals can re-sign these players at any time. Those we get this close to free agency, just about five, six weeks away. It's more likely players will wait. Could see a handful sign last offseason. DJ Humphreys chose not to wait and re-sign. And I think as we've touched on here during the course since the season ended and even late in the season, for me, MJ, the most interesting names among the 28 unrestricted free agents, Larry Fitzgerald, Patrick Peterson, and Hassan Reddick. No Marcus Golden? I think if you deal with Reddick first and then figure out sure. what you're going to do, then, of course, as far as a ranking order, and nothing against Marcus, but I think Reddick ahead, just based off, I think he can do a little bit more than a Marcus Golden. That's fair. I, I guess we'll find out, uh, Larry. I mean, we're in February, so, you know, I think the team would like to know uh, going into March. So she'll have some time there. Nothing's changed. Uh, Patrick Peterson. Um, I don't know this where I've confirmed it, but I, I do think Patrick Peterson will be a guy that will test free agency and we'll see if he, if the Cardinals decide to match or have conversations. Um on paper, I don't think he, he, he'll he get $13 million a year from the Cardinals based on age and based on how he's played the last couple of years. But uh, that's why you have agents, and we'll see about the asking price uh, and fit. So we'll see. I, I, but I do think he'll test free agency. Um, that means I don't think they're close. Uh, obviously, when you get to the combine, that's when you have face-to-face -face conversations. But these conversations can now take place over Zoom or FaceTime or just a phone call. So – um, but I do think he will test free agency. That's my that's my thought sitting here today. That cornerback position as a whole, I think, is real interesting because in addition to P2, you've got Jonathan Joseph, Drake Kirkpatrick, Kevin Peterson, all free agents. So that leaves you Robert Alford, who the Cardinals have not seen on the field in the first two seasons of his three-year contract, and then Byron Murphy. That's it. And that's not taking anything away from the two players that they've signed to futures deals. But as far as cornerbacks that the Cardinals know that they have on the roster for 2021, barring some change between now and then Alford and Murphy. So that right now has to be at least as far as position groups are concerned, where this team really needs to invest or make decisions uh, quicker rather than later. Yeah, Jonathan Joseph. I mean, he he was a late addition. Um, he's up there in age. I think he's one of those guys you would try to bring back if you have an injury or in training camp and you just want to shore up a position from a veteran standpoint. Very smart player. Um, still can play uh, not every down. He can play in pinches, maybe give you a couple starts a couple weeks. Trey Kirkpatrick is, is – I don't know what kind of market's going to be out there for him. Um, I don't think he's a guy that's a priority 
Um, but you do have to fill that spot. I wouldn't mind having him back, whether he's the second or third corner. Um, Kevin Peterson's a good special teams player, um, not a priority. You know, I like Robert Alford. It just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, you know, I, I, I think they would have won, you know, a couple more games over the last couple of years if it, it would have been Patrick Peterson on the outside, Alford on the other side, and then Murphy in the inside. I, that's what they wanted. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. So I don't, I don't know. Um, clearly you're not going to bring him back at that figure. So, you know, he's got to stay healthy. And I know he worked hard. Uh, there was videos of him and Patrick posted guys had like, I mean, they had eight packs. Uh, they, they worked out hard conditioning weights, trying to get faster with their feet. So it wasn't lack of, uh, off season workouts. It was just, he couldn't stay healthy. So I, I don't know if they can pay him that figure. If they want to get him back on a lower figure, I'd be curious because he does bring something to position. But we know about availability and durability. You got to be available and you got to be durable. And that hasn't been the case. It's been a lot of bad luck, too. Yeah, for good Alford point. Because going into the regular seasons, these first two years or these past two seasons, I should say, he has been right up there, if not the number one corner right there next to Patrick Peterson, as far as how well he had played, not only in the preseason, but certainly in training camp. Regardless of what happens, though, with P2. This is a position that you certainly want to get better at and then certainly maybe younger at as well. Does that mean you look to acquire someone, sign someone, or wait for the draft? Because you need corners. You need to have five or six at your disposal. And right now, as we talked about, Cardinals just have two on the roster signed for 2021. Yeah, and and, and the good news is they usually bring, what, 12 to 14 to camp, so – you know, but we're looking at names and we're going, okay, you got holes to fill. And, and, and you know, I want to me go closer to the draft. You know, I always say you got to get better in the trenches, but I, I do think cornerback would be in play at number 16 if they stayed there. I mean, again, it's early February. Uh, they could sign one in free agency. Uh, they could retain Patrick Peterson, but I do think that's a position you're going to have to find a young guy like you do with Byron Murphy and develop him. That could be in the first, second, or third round. I mean, they only have five draft picks. So at some point I'll run out of positions to mention. <laughs> you bring up the trenches. I've made no secret. I'd like to see Corey Peters return. He's due to become an unrestricted free agent, as is Angelo Blackson, Josh Morrow, and D'Amato Pecco. So defensive line, yeah, you've got some pieces there, especially young pieces with a Zach Allen, Lucky Foto, Rashard Lawrence, but some veteran presence in addition to a Jordan Phillips who you have under contract. But personally, and it's maybe a little sentimental, I do think Peters would be a huge addition, not maybe specifically on the field, but certainly off the field. Yeah, I don't think he's willing to. I don't think. I don't think he's going to try to break the bank. Uh, clearly, he loves living out here. I, I know players. You know, at, at that point in their careers, they got to make a decision: do they want to go play somewhere else for a year? I would like to see him back. I just think uh, he was. He was one of the better defensive linemen. I mean, he was better than Jordan Phillips when he was in there. I could say that with a straight face. Uh, we know they, as you pointed out, between Lucky and uh, Rashard Lawrence, Lucky Foto. Um, I think they could be. Uh, you know more than just two down uh, defensive linemen. I like Blackson, um, probably not going to cost you a lot. I don't know if that's going to be a priority, but you can never have enough depth. Josh Morrill, to me, that was a late addition just because he was familiar with the defense and they were looking for guys that can get to the quarterback. Pecco, age-wise, I mean, that would be a September addition. So I don't know about Josh Morrill and Pecco. I thought Pecco came in here, gave him a lift, but there was a reason why he was available. 
as far as the linebacker position is concerned. Inside, Devondre Campbell is set to become an unrestricted free agent. And yes, he did play well, but you drafted Isaiah Simmons. It would certainly make sense to just plug in Simmons there and thank Campbell for his one year of service. We'll have to wait and see. And then you brought it up as we touched on the more interesting names, Hassan Reddick and, yes, Marcus Golden are the edge rushers as far as you've got Chandler Jones, you've got Devon Kennard, but you're certainly going to need other pieces, especially considering Kennard just didn't give you enough, at least uh, from what we saw, totality. Uh, the free agents that they did sign last year, Campbell, Phillips, and Kennard, we're all good through the first, what, five, six weeks, and then it was a matter of staying healthy, and then the production just never materialized to the amounts that what you paid for these guys. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, especially at outside linebacker or edge rusher, if you will. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, Campbell, to me, he really solidified covering the tight end. I mean, you're going to get beat at times, and, you know, we know the tight ends are – what they call matchup issues. So when you get a linebacker or safety on a line, uh, tight end, he did a good job there. Um, he was making 7.5. So I don't see them bringing him back at that number. And they got a guy that can slide in there. And, you know, again, uh, I think he needs an off season. Like they all do all first year players, all rookies, all first and second year players. He needs a couple of preseason games and he'll be your starting inside linebacker next to Hicks. You know, Hicks is, um, you know, he's getting a little bit older, uh, still the captain of the defense, still a really good player. Um, but they got to get better pressure up front to take some of the stress off of him making tackles down the line of scrimmage or versus, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued with Isaiah Simmons. I think he could be a three down backer. Uh, I like the way they could use him. Um, he's more physical than I thought watching him in drills in camp. Um, he could be violent with his hands. So I, I like that position. You add some youth there and a guy that can cover from sideline to sideline, and he can line up at different positions. I know we didn't see much on the pass rushing, but we did see him covering uh, tight ends at playing the safety position. So um, Kennard, I thought he did a good job setting the edge early in the season. Um, you know, Chandler Jones obviously only had the one sack, but clearly he's a guy that you have to ID. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, but um, – you know, I, I like Golden. Just I think he can do more. Um, he's had some injuries, but he's been healthy. Hassan had some, you know, ankle issues. He can rush the passer. I think he's honed his craft. I want to see him do it more than one year. I'm sure a lot of GMs are having the same conversation. So I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. I don't know if you can resign both of them and then also try to extend Chandler Jones. Dennis Gardeck is going to be on the shelf at least until half the season, maybe more November. And then, and like I said, um. You know, they, they've done a good job trying to go out and get a pass rusher, you know, situational guy. So we'll see. I don't I don't think it's a Dwight Freeney or a John Abraham. I think you've got to get somebody a little bit younger that's, you know, has flashed, but maybe he's playing behind someone else that's making a lot more money. Um, you know, J.J. Watt's going to be out there, but that that's going to be a high cap number. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. So, um, but I do think J.J. Watt will be uh, available. I just don't think the Cardinals will show any interest. On the Reddick-Golden debate, if there is a debate, and that front office as far as, yeah, we know they can rush the passer. How good are they as far as stopping the run? And if need be, how athletic are they? What's their skill set to drop back into coverage, whether that's a running back out of the backfield or a tight end coming across or to their side of the field, who's better in those areas if you had to make a choice? And um, it, it just seems like just for me, and I think maybe I'm weighing 
the sack total a little bit more than maybe I should, but that's where it tilts for me, Reddick over Golden, at least in this discussion. Yeah, and, and, and Reddick's done a good job forcing fumbles. He also plays on special teams. He did have a nice stop on, on one of those goal line situations. So, I mean, he now if, he, if he's a full-time starter, does he get that same opportunity? He's a backup, and obviously Rodgers has some input who's going to be out there. Where, you know, I think we know what you have in Golden. Uh, I think the ceiling is still a little bit higher for Rasan Reddick because he could rush the passer. Um, and it only takes one team. I mean, if somebody can sign him one year, $8 million. Um, you know, the tag uh, is, is an option, um, but when you tag someone and they sign the contract, not that he would, that money is being held up and whether it's a transition tag or a franchise tag. So I thought possibly they could put the tag on Reddit with the, uh, interest of trading him, but I don't know if that would be the case. I guess we're going to find out what kind of markets out there. Again, it's not a great draft for pass rushers. Um, there are four teams that, that have over 60 million in cap space. And then you got a couple others that would have 35 to 40, you know, does somebody say, you know, we're going to give you a two year deal is a little bit incentives or does he want to come back here and prove it again? Uh, and that's a number they got to, they got to work on. So, um, but I do think there's going to be a market out there for Hassan Reddick. Definitely. We continue to talk Cardinals free agents here on this Monday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Let's flip it to the offensive side of the ball and backup quarterback. Brett Hundley is a free agent at this point. I don't see him returning just because, well, he was inactive all season long, but this team does need to address backup quarterback. And we've touched on it here on Cardinals Cover 2. They also need to find a running back maybe a number one or at least a tag team partner with a Chase Edmonds because Kenyon Drake is set to hit free agency, as is DJ Foster when you look at running backs in totality. Yeah, I, I think they're going to allow Kenyon Drake to test free agency. I, I think the plan is to possibly, uh, you know, make Chase the number one guy, and I do think they'll uh, draft a running back. I mean, I, you look at the free agent list and, you know, uh, it seems like they want a they want a guy that's you know a little bit more um, where he can get the tough two or three yards. So a guy like 5'11", 225. and you know there's some you know the draft. Obviously, people are going to talk about the first round, and if one of those players are there, do you go best available, uh, or do you wait to the second or third round? Again, they only have five picks, and that's why I anticipate they'll try to get another third round pick if they can. Um, but I do think Chase, it's Chase's job to lose. And then we'll see what happens with Eno Benjamin, DJ Foster, Jonathan Ward. Um, we know those two guys got to play on, on special teams. But, you know, I do think they'll they'll uh, take a running back in the draft. And if there's a free agent out there, I like Carlos Hyde. I thought he was a good one-two punch what he did in, in San, uh, Seattle. He was in Houston prior to that, but I haven't heard his name. But you do want to bring a veteran, get in, you would think, just for, for, just for depth and possibly uh, competition. So, But I do think Chase will get that every opportunity. When it comes to the pass catchers, I do think wide receiver will be addressed at some point, regardless of whether Fitz comes back or not, just because of the number of question marks you have behind DeAndre Hopkins. And then you look at the tight end position. Max Williams is the only one who's under contract for this upcoming season. Dan Arnold, Darrell Daniels, and Seth DeValve are all due to hit unrestricted free agency. And that tight end position has certainly been something that, yes, it's been used. And then sometimes it's been ignored. 
But I think as we've seen in the postseason, you do need to have either a blocking tight end or a tight end like a Travis Kelsey. Yes, they're few and far between, but someone who can do both at as far as block and certainly catches passes down the seam. Yeah, and the way the league is going, I mean, we can look at wide receiver. Clearly, they need a number two. If not, Christian Kirk needs to step up. You know, we'll wait and see about Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson. We know Trent Sherfield's more of a special teams player, even though I think he runs good routes. I mean, you, you can't have enough tight ends. And, you know, we know that Max Williams, uh, you know, he's he's a guy that needs to stay healthy. And, you know, he's a guy that's going to put his uh, face in the fan. So you're going to have some injuries. Um, he's the meat and potatoes. That's why I look at I like Dan Arnold's upside. Don't know what his asking price. I like Darrell Daniels. I think he showed progress. He could be a guy that can play on special teams. Um, good depth guy. Uh, I think he improved as a blocker. Uh, where they didn't have to bring in Josh Jones as much. Maybe you get, you know, two tight end sets. And I think Cliff is is going to look at two tight end sets again. I mean, it's something that uh, obviously Sean Kluger starts up front and you can run the ball out of that. You could throw it. So uh, I like to see them retain Arnold and Daniels. Uh, Self-develop, um, to me, is just a guy they brought in because of the numbers. Well, you bring up offensive line. Let's hit that next. Calvin Beecham, your starting right tackle. Max Garcia, backup interior lineman. And J.R. Sweezy, who began the season as your starting right guard and then finished it as the backup guard because Justin Murray had supplanted him in the starting lineup. But Beecham, Garcia, and Sweezy, your key free agents to be on the offensive line. I wouldn't expect a lot of movement, but you certainly do have to figure out what you're going to do right tackle and whether Murray is your right guard going into this upcoming season. Yeah. And we got a chance to see the Cardinals do, make some, um, you know, rotation and players will say all the right things, but I don't know if that's what the, how they really feel. You want to be out there with the same five guys, but I trust Kugler. He's going to play the best guy. So I'll defer to him there on that. Uh, I would retain, uh, retain Calvin Beecham. Uh, I thought he brought some uh, leadership to the locker room. I really liked, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, he's been around the league a little bit, um, so he knows what's going on. Um, I think he'd be your right tackle. I'm an open competition if they uh, – because Marcus Gilbert is under contract as he want to play, he opted out. And then you got Josh Jones, who could be your swing tackle. Max Garcia, we just didn't get a chance, but clearly they valued him as a backup guard or center. Um, and he was ready to go. It's just unfortunate for him. He just didn't get the playing time. Sweezy – you know, Sweezy started to break down last year and give him a ton of credit because he plays physical. Now, I like the signing when they signed him from Seattle, weakened the opponent. Um, but it was clear that Justin Murray's younger and more athletic, so Murray could be your right guard. So I don't I don't see Sweezy on the radar um, unless, you know, he doesn't get a job before training camp. But, I, you know, we'll see what they decide to do at center. I thought Mason Cole took a step back last year. Uh, I guess we can make the case that A.Q. Shipley was the glue of that offensive line. Um, just – being a veteran guy, you know, Cole, we're going to bring up the false starts, but it's more about getting uh, pressure. And maybe it's difficult for Kyler to step in the, up in the pocket if, if Sweezy's getting pushed back and Pew's getting pushed back and Cole's getting pushed back. And that could be a, uh, why the offensive line didn't look as good as they were in the month of December. We know Kenyon Drake was trying to dance a little bit. So I think it's a catch 22. It's, it's got to get better there. So I trust Kugler. Uh, you know, I wouldn't rule out a lineman, a t interior lineman for the future. I think they're, they feel good about Murray. Um, they feel good about Justin Pugh. I know his, his cap number's high, but he plays, played really well. I really like the left side of the line. Now you got to try to duplicate that across the board. 
Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But Marcus Gilbert is under contract. And I, I want to see what he can do when healthy. And he didn't opt out. And then you got Beecham, great veteran presence. You know, I know we covered Corey Peters for a long time, but he kind of reminded me of Corey Peters inside that locker room. We weren't in there, but you could just tell on his Zoom calls how smart he is and, and how he's a team guy. Good comparison or a good comparison as far as between those two players. Finally, uh, the Cardinals need to figure out who is going to be doing the kicking and punting this coming season. Zane Gonzalez, Mike Nugent, Andy Lee, all scheduled to become unrestricted free agents. Well, we know Andy Lee was in the same draft class as Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, he, I thought he was a great addition. You know, obviously when you get up there in age and, you know, he's, he's missed a few games, not so much this year, but last year. I want to get younger at that position. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if he wants to retire. I mean, it's been a great career. The fact that he's played 17 years, if, if he was in the same draft class as Larry Fitzgerald. Um, Zane's, a, that, that's a big, uh, big question. Uh, they believe in him. Um, you know, does he believe in himself? You know, I don't, I don't know how confident he is in the offseason because he knows, you know, what happened last year. Mike Nugent's 38 years old. So um, I think we could see some changes there, um, but I know that they still believe in Zane. And now it's a matter of what, what kind of contract he wants. Um, and, you know, maybe it's – I think they were prepared to give him a two- or three-year deal. Obviously, you know, it's you can get out of it. Uh, what kind of signing bonus, but I don't know what kind of market's going to be out there with him based on what's happened. And we know these kickers, um, you know, once you get a little bit older, you get tryouts, you know, sometimes they'll bring you in in camp and you look at Ryan Suckup and some of these other guys, Steven Goskowski. So it's unusual to be on one team for your entire career, even though it's the second team. But I, I still believe that the organization believes in Zane Gonzalez. Now it's just a matter of you know, what happened. And he'll have to have that conversation with Jeff Rogers, the special teams coordinator. Again, that is a broad overview of the Cardinals situation when it comes to free agency. And then, of course, March 17th is the day that you can officially sign free agents. That is the start of the new league year. But you can sign your own free agents anytime. I mean, that could have gone at the end of the regular season. But so far, no one has re-signed with the Arizona Cardinals. And We'll see if anyone does between now and March 17th when it kind of opens up to the rest of the league. Well, I think, you know, once again, uh, you know, the rumor over the weekend, the cap will go from 175 to 180. Um, you know, we'll see. So I still think teams are trying to figure out when, it, when they look at that, that pie and you got to, you know, figure out the slices because we know that some veterans are going to get squeezed this offseason and some veterans are going to have to sign one-year deals so the salary cap can go back up 17 game schedule. So that means 17 checks. Uh, but Craig, going back to the backup quarterback, I think you and I are in agreement. What we watched in the month of December and in the postseason, you have to have a viable backup quarterback. And I know fans are going to say that could, that should have been Brett Hundley. And I don't disagree now, but that wasn't the case in training camp. And we got a chance to see, um, him early in the season. We didn't see him after that until Kyler got hurt. I don't know what his asking price would be, but I, I, Ryan Fitzpatrick is very intriguing to me. And I know these guys, you know, like the Case Keenums, I looked up his contract. He's making five or six. We know Chase Daniels, some of these guys. And some teams don't value backup quarterbacks. Like the Seahawks, it seems like they haven't done it. Um, the Niners, even though they drafted um, C.J. Beathard, they, they found Nick Mullins. The Rams, we know they don't invest in backup quarterbacks, but what I watched in December 
and what happened to Kyler Murray and some of these teams that got into the postseason. I think in, in Hunley, it would be the guy, if he was a free agent right now, I'd say that's, but clearly they know what they have in him. So I don't want to say he sh- he'll be the guy, but I, to me, Case Keener made the most sense, but he's still on the contract. He's, he's in Cleveland. Uh, they obviously made him the backup when they let Drew Stanton go, but I think you got to make sure. And I know you may have to pay two to $4 million. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, as I mentioned, teams that don't value backup quarterbacks, that's what these guys are getting, one or two million. So I know salary cap's going down, but the season could go down if you don't have the right guy. I think that's important distinction right there, because whoever your backup is, you must be prepared. You must be confident they can go out and win you games, not just play games, but win you games for a three, four, five week stretch just to kind of hold tide until your starter comes back. Now, if you lose your starter, then I get it. I mean, then all bets are off. I mean, no team can really survive on a backup quarterback for an extended period of time. But for three, four, five weeks, yes. And I don't think, hindsight being 2020, that the Cardinals were in position to say, yes, we could rely on a Chris Strebler for a three, four, five-week period if Kyler Murray went down. And we saw that, small sample size, I get it, but week 17. Yeah, and, and the Raiders went out and spent, you know, good money on Marcus Mariota. Uh, maybe tough process down the road. They'll trade Derek Carr. That's a conversation for another day. But Chad Henney, what'd he do? Okay, now he's been in the system. And the thing I've got, and, and, and again, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he, he still wants to play. Um, but, but anywhere he goes, they're usually trying to replace him, you know. But I, I to me, to just the, the knowledge and the IQ and the smarts, just being in the same room with Kyler Murray, He's not going to push the envelope to start. He knows his role, and that's that's important because, you know, Hundley knew the circumstances here, but maybe he thought, you know, being a rookie, I can get it in there and play. Um, you don't want a guy that's going to be looking over Kyler Murray's shoulder, though. I mean, I, and I, I get the competition part, but we, we it's very clear who the quarterback is, and I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, just based on his experience, um, this is home for him. And somebody could offer him $5 million, you know, um, he's not afraid to move around. He moves his family. Um, but uh, to me, he'd be the perfect fit. Just a veteran guy uh, to, to help Kyler Murray when it comes to film session, you know, what, you, what you're looking for breaking the huddle. And that could be any somebody else, but he really intrigues me. I, I just don't know if it's um, the asking price. And, you know, he could go to a, a team that drafts a quarterback in the first round and he's a starter. And that that's what's going to happen to his entire career. We're here he would just be the backup. It is a great discussion, great debate, and we'll have plenty of those between now and certainly the start of free agency and now between the start of the NFL draft as well. We'll kind of go position by position as far as where this team needs to upgrade and then where this team maybe needs to bring back some of those pieces that were so good in this just completed 2020 season to where you want them to be on the field in 2021. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.